Jesus, thank you so much. Just, man, we love this time of year because it's, it's, it's all about community and it's all about you. And so thank you that we're so busy and that we have so much going on. Thank you for a country where we celebrate Thanksgiving as a national holiday, a, a country that's founded on our thanks for you. And so God, just thank you for the blessings that we have. Thank you for your word. And today, Lord, especially, I'm just thanking you because your word is useful to us. Paul wrote that it's useful to us. It teaches us how to live. It shows us not, not just these really deep theological insights. It shows us how to live. And so as we're opening up today, Lord, just show us how practical your word is and how helpful your word is to us. And show us how you would have us to live through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so today we're going to talk about leadership. Um, question, are you a leader? I think, you know, some of you, some of you know you're a leader because you're a manager at work or you're, you know, the vice president of your division or you're a department head or you're the captain of a team or you're a ministry lead or you're a teacher or a coach. Um, there's an expression that says, if you want to know if you're a leader, look behind you. And if no one is following, then by definition, you're not a leader. And I think that that expression is intended to point out that some people see themselves as leaders and they're really not. But I think there's another side to that. And that is that I think a lot of people are leaders and they don't realize it. Because being a leader just means that somebody's following you. And even if you don't lead a huge company or a huge ministry, or a big agency, even if you don't know it, and even if you don't like it, if you really look behind you, you may see that there are people that see you as a leader. Maybe you're a table leader in your life group, or maybe you lead a disciple-making group, or maybe you just lead a little circle of friends, or maybe you're a leader in your family. You know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I'm pretty sure your kids and your grandkids see you as being a leader. If you're a big brother, or a big sister, you may be a leader. I mean, there may be people that you don't even know about that see you as being a good Christian, and they want to be a good Christian, and so they're following your lead. So I would just challenge you today, before we say, oh, this one's not for me, to look behind you. And you may see that in some way to some people, you are a leader, even if you don't like it, and even if you don't feel up to it. God has put you in that role. And I'll tell you something else. In Matthew 19, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, which he is all through Matthew. And he says that when God's kingdom is fully come, because that's what we keep learning, right? It's here, but it's not here. Right? It's here, but it's not here. When God's kingdom is fully come, he says, those of us that are following him now will sit on thrones and we'll judge and we will rule over Israel. So even if you don't have a huge leadership role now, you will because Jesus has called you to it. Being a leader is a calling. Being a leader is a calling. I think being a good leader, to a degree, is a choice. So as we're doing this today, I'm gonna ask you to just think about people um, that might see you as a leader. People at your job, or people in your family, or people in the community, or in your church, or in your life group. And, and let's just see what Jesus wants to show us today about leading well. And what we're going to do is we're just going to start in Matthew 23, 1, and we're just going to kind of work straight through it. And this is Jesus telling the people not to follow the leadership of the Pharisees. 
and they were like the religious leaders, right, of the day. And as he unpacks why people shouldn't follow them, Jesus gives some really interesting insight about what a great leader looks like by showing us what a bad leader looks like. And like most of what we're learning in Matthew, it's all about God's kingdom coming, and this is Jesus preparing us for our role in God's kingdom. And like most of his teaching, it's really um, counterintuitive. It feels backwards. It feels kind of upside down. So yeah, let's think about anybody in your life, little brother, little sister, your life group, people at work, your class, your team, anyone that might see you as a leader. And let's just dig into this thing and see what we can learn about being good leaders and bad leaders from the best leader ever, from Jesus. So this is Matthew 23, starting at verse one. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, because they don't practice what they teach. So the Pharisees, they're smart guys, they're really good interpreters, good scholars, maybe even good teachers but they weren't good leaders because they didn't set a good example. Bad leaders talk a great game and great leaders lead by example. Bad leaders talk a great game, but great leaders lead by example. So the Pharisees were great at interpreting the law and they were great at demanding that other people follow the law. And in their defense, they were great at keeping the rules themselves. Um, but remember what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven about they asked him, like, what's the most important rule of all the laws we have? What's the most important? And Jesus said that the whole law could basically be summed up in two commandments, love God and love people. And so all of those laws, they had hundreds of laws, right? All of those laws were supposed to work together to help us learn to love God and to love each other. But for the Pharisees, the rules themselves were kind of like the end game. So they weren't, they weren't really loving God through these rules. They weren't really loving people through these. They were just like robots. They were just following the rules. Nobody ever looked at a Pharisee and said, wow, I want to love like that. They talked a great game, but they didn't lead by example. And this is so practical, this teaching from Jesus, because it's not just in church leadership or in our faith. I mean, we see... Don't we see a lot of people in all kinds of leadership right now that talk a great game, but they don't lead by example? I mean, if you think about like our lawmakers, you know, they're really good at making rules and they're really good at finding loopholes in those rules for themselves. And you hear all the time about these company leaders and they're trying to get their employees, oh, be a company person, you know, do what's best for the company no matter what. And meanwhile, they're skimming money for themselves. But I think the saddest one of all is church leaders, preachers preaching about doing what's right and following Jesus and loving each other while they're abusing people themselves. Those are, those are bad leaders because they talk a great game, but they don't lead by example. Great leaders lead like Jesus. Jesus led by example. Jesus said that love was the most important thing, right? He said the most important thing is love, and he didn't just tell us how to love. He showed us how to love. In fact, look what he says in John 13, 34. He, here's your instructions. He says, just as I have loved you, that's how you should love each other. He led by example. Jesus said the whole essence of the law, everything in the whole Old Testament 
could be summed up in these two things. Just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And those are nice words, but Jesus didn't just talk a great game. He led by example. Jesus showed us how. He modeled for us what it is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he showed us for sure what it is to really love your neighbor. In fact, the Bible says, greater love has no man than this, but that he would lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Bad leaders talk a great game, but great leaders lead by example. So again, this is a practical book. What does this look like for you? As you're leading your company or your team or your class or your life group or your family or your little sister, are you, are you just telling people what to do? Are you just telling people how to live like a Pharisee or like Jesus? Are you showing them by your example? So Jesus is gonna continue here. This is verse four. We're talking about the Philistines still. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. So the Pharisees, they were um, big on rules, right? They had 600 and something laws in their Bible and they, they even added a few of their own. And I think it probably started out as them just really wanting to be holy, you know, and really wanting to honor God and then, I, I, like, it got out of control. Because, you know, to be holy means what? It means to be different, right? It means to be set apart. It means to be kind of separate and special. And I think they were trying so hard to be special, the Pharisees. I think they were trying so hard to stand out from the crowd they, that they made a bunch of rules that nobody but them could keep. And that's, like, that, that great. Then, yeah, they were special, and they were, they were holy and all that. But in raising themselves up, they kind of pushed everybody else down and kind of pushed everybody else out. So nobody was good enough for them in their exclusive little club. And so people just gave up. You know, people would just say, well, I mean, if that is what it takes to be called a Jew, then I guess I'm, I'm not going to make it. That's what bad leaders do. Bad leaders keep people out. Bad leaders hold people back. And I think sometimes... Maybe it's like an insecurity or something that, that bad leaders have of somebody taking their job or stealing their power. Uh, so they just try to keep those people out of their power circle, right? And maybe you've had that. Maybe you've had a boss that, that intentionally kept you away from being promoted because they didn't want to share the power or they didn't want to share the money with you. And they not only robbed your organization of what you have to offer, they're holding you back. They're, they're keeping you out. And we still see that in Christianity today. I'd love to say we're past that because the Pharisees aren't around anymore, but realistically, we still have this legalism, this thing of like making rules our God. And back then it was the Pharisees and their 600 rules. But some churches still, I think, miss the chance to really love people and really minister to people because their rules are just so exclusive you know, they're so restrictive, they're so impossible to keep that people just give up. And so instead of teaching people about the grace of Jesus and how he wants to accept them and, and work on them and work in them and work through them, they, they convince people that Christianity is all about performing well enough for Jesus that you qualify for the club. 
And so people just give up. Or they live in fear or shame that they're failing. I'll tell you the worst story I've heard of this is an old pastor friend of mine was telling me that a woman came into his church on a Sunday morning and was not a church person, right? And so she came in and she wasn't dressed right or whatever. And so she comes in and, you know, she hears the message that day. And it's Jesus loves you and he accepts you. And he wants a relationship with you, whoever you are. He accepts you as you are. And she, like, she couldn't believe it. You know, she'd been waiting her whole life to hear that message. And so she was so excited. Oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. So they had church on Sunday night. So Sunday night, she came back again. And man, she could. She's singing. She's worshiping. She's so happy. She can't believe that Jesus accepts her because she knows who she is and she knows what she's done. And she knows where she's been. And she's just so excited that Jesus would accept. She can't stand it. She shows up again on their Wednesday night service. She, she's so excited that Jesus would accept her and love her as she is. And then that night, some of the ladies' leadership in the church pulled her aside to talk to her about the way she was dressed. And how she didn't really kind of fit in there. And how she was like dishonoring Jesus with her dress or her appearance or something. And she was so embarrassed and she was so ashamed that they never saw her again. That's what bad leaders do, right? They, they keep people out and they hold people back. Great leaders bring people in and lift people up. Great leaders are great at inviting other people into the conversation, inviting other people into the family, inviting other people into the company or the team. They, they bring people in, and once people are in, then a great leader lifts them up and develops them and encourages them and promotes them and helps them to grow and be all that God has created them to be. That's, that's the essence of great leadership. They give people a chance, and then they give people a chance to succeed. Great, great leaders bring people in and lift people up. And you know who's pretty good at this? Jesus. Jesus was really good at bringing everyone in and lifting everyone up. In fact, John 3.16, right? He came to bring this invitation to who? The whole world. I mean, for God so loved the world. He came to invite the whole world to have everlasting life. It was for everyone, he says, that just believed in him. He brought, he brought us all in. He brought us all in, and now every day he's lifting us up, and he's leading us, and he's empowering us to do what God created us to do, and he's empowering us to become what God's built us to be. So again, this book is useful for us in real life, right? Like, what about your leadership? I mean, this is a time for us to say, how could, how could I be more inclusive in my leadership? How could I be more inviting in my leadership? How could I be more of a team builder in my leadership? How could I, how could I lift my people up, the people that are following me? How could I lift them up with encouragement or with training or by challenging them? And especially in your Christian circles, especially in your life groups and in your church and your family, how do you treat people who fail to live up to the standard? Is it with, is it with judgment and, and rejection? Because that's what he said about them. Never lifting a finger to help them. Is it, is it like that, like the Pharisees? Or is it like Jesus, by accepting and forgiving and encouraging them to grow? Bad leaders keep people out and hold people back. And good leaders bring people in 
and lift people up. Verse five, Jesus says, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. So this doesn't mean a lot to us. Um, these prayer boxes are called phylacteries. I got a picture of one, I think. Matt, do we have that picture? There it is. That's like a real thing. And so it's a little prayer box. And I'll tell you where this comes from. We talked about this verse before. It's in Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, when God says, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You know that, that passage? And he's given them the law, right? And he goes, this is really important to do this and act this way and live this way. This is how you're going to honor God. This is how we're going to have a relationship. And so the law is super important. So take it seriously. Write this stuff down, he says. You should wear it on your forehead and wear it on your right hand as a reminder of how important the law is. And so I don't know if he meant that as a metaphor, but these guys took it literally, and they actually had these little boxes like that on their head and had scriptures in it. It's like, it's right in the front of my mind. You know, it's right there was the box with the scriptures. And so these guys had like suitcase size, right? They had like the giant phylacteries that said that way. Why? Because then everybody would know how holy they were, right? If you just had a little one, I mean, come on. But they had like a big one. That's how people could, everybody could say, oh, guys, like you could tell he's super holy. And then these tassels on, you know, that's about. So there's another one of those tassels they're talking about. They would wear like on their robe, like little tassels, like hanging, like, you know, Hang, like dingle balls, right? Little tassels hanging down. And each one of those, you're supposed to look at it, it was like a reminder to them to, to remember God's law and to keep his word and all that. Good. Nothing wrong. Jesus had them. There's nothing wrong with that. But these guys had like the supersized tassels, right? Why? Because they wanted everybody to know how holy they were. It was all about their image. Bad leaders are all about image. And great leaders are authentic and real. And that was a problem then, and it's a problem now. I mean, and it's in everything, right? Not just in Christian circles. There's a lot of leaders that are portraying an image, right? I mean, it's election year, right? They're portraying an image, right? They're, they're looking a certain way. Have you noticed that when a politician is making a speech, where they always have the same thing, right? They got the blue suit, they got the white shirt, they got the red tie, they got the flag right here, right? That's, they all look the same. And then when they do their town hall meetings, what happens? Tie comes off, jacket gets off, they roll up the sleeves, right? And somebody somewhere at some point said, this makes you look like one of us. So this, I'm rolling up my sleeves and going to work, right? That may be the last day they ever work if they get in office. But, they're, but they're, that's their image. That's their portraying this image, right? In business, I mean, there's a lot of bad business leaders wearing fake Rolexes and driving cars they can't afford, right? Why? Because they're all about their image. That's, that's bad leadership. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of religious leaders today that are caught up in the image stuff, right? Are you guys familiar with this Instagram page called Preachers and Sneakers? <laughs> no, I don't have time. It's just too funny. It's, and so they, they'll have like a picture of some famous preacher and then they will like analyze what he's wearing. And it's like, he's, he's wearing a jacket that costs, you know, $4,500. Oh, he's wearing a $2,000 pair of shoes or something like that. And so they literally will just look up what, what it costs, what the clothes that they're wearing. And so... I don't know, that doesn't seem like good leadership. 
Um, Margaret and I went to a church one time. We were on vacation, and um, the pastor got up, and I whispered to Margaret, I guarantee you that guy has an image consultant, right? Because as he walked on stage, the guy's older than I am, and he didn't have one single gray hair. <laughs> and his teeth, do you remember that guy's teeth? I still can see his, the, like, perfect little chiclets, just perfect. <laughs> White, straight, perfect, perfect teeth. And he had the jeans, like, you know, skinny. And, and the, like a couple of rips, not so many rips that says I'm sloppy, right? Just enough rips that says I'm cool, you know? And he had the white T-shirt with the V-neck, and just, just enough hair right there, <laughs> just enough holy hair showing right there. And he had um, like, like vintage Jordans. He's wearing Jordan shoes. And he looked so cool, man. I almost got saved that day <laughs> because he was awesome. Uh, he was like, like one man bun away from GQ magazine, right? That's how, that's how, and I don't know him. I don't know him. I shouldn't judge him. Maybe he doesn't have an image consultant, you know? Maybe he's just a snappy dresser, but it seemed like it seemed like he was trying pretty hard to portray an image, right? And I don't know, maybe I'm just jealous, you know, because my shoes aren't vintage Jordans or Yeezys. You guys know Yeezys? Come on, people, get hip. Yeezys are the coolest. My grandson told me about them. They're like sneakers, but they're like 1,200 bucks. So I don't have, I don't have Yeezys. I have the knockoffs, Cheezys. Uh, they're almost as good. They're like 29 bucks. Um, and I don't have a $400 white t-shirt um, because you can get a six-pack at Walmart for $14. So most of my clothes um, come from, they're from Paris, obviously, from Les Cosqueux. <laughs> um, so I want to make a promise to you now, as your pastor, that I will never dress cool. And I feel very comfortable making that promise. But it's not, it's, not just about, it's not just about dressing. It's about this image idea, right? And I think some bad Christian leaders are trying really hard to, protect, to project an image of being something they're not, and especially of being like more holy than they really are. And I think that's really bad leadership, to be focused on trying to project an image of being like, super holy or something, and maybe you are. If you're, if you're a bad leader, and you're, how many of you are bad leaders? If you're a bad leader and you wanna like, like push this image of being super holy, um, I would say at least do it right. You know, this, the thing with the prayer boxes, that was, that was for first century Jews in Palestine. So don't, you know, you're not gonna press anybody if you wear one of those prayer boxes. Um, but this is a public service, I'm gonna give you Three quick, tri uh, quick tips on how you could like protect, if you wanted to project an image of being super holy um, in the 21st century in South Texas. Um, you might wanna write these down. If you, if you have a quiet time in the mornings, always post a selfie of it. <laughs> always like set up a little vignette, like with your coffee cup, and find a, find a page, you have one page in your Bible that's underlined and marked on, make sure it's open to that one. Make sure there's a clock in the background that says like 5 a.m. or something. And then it's just like, hashtag, just me and Jesus, right? <laughs> that people will think you're so holy if you do that. 
So that's a good one. Um, you can also try, if, again, if you're a bad leader and with your, your body image, you just wanna portray this image that you're super holy. You can use like super preachy words, um, post-millennium. That's a good one. Um, positional justification. Just throw that out. People will think you're so holy, you won't believe it. Um, um, isms, Judaism, Zionism, Hedonism, cessationism, schism, prismism, any kind of ism. It does, and, and it doesn't even matter if you know what it means. Just throw it out because it's all about your image, right? It's just about making people think that you're holy. Um, and then the third one, this is, this is super important. If you're trying to project this image that you're super holy, always pray in King James English. Critical, critical. If you really, and if you can lower your voice just a little bit, and if you can make it quiver, I mean, that's not for everybody, <laughs> but if you can make your vo something like that, that is, you know, most high God, so that really works. So like somebody comes up to you, hey, you know, I got this job coming up, can you pray with me? about this job, just say, yeah, sure. Oh, verily, God, I sayeth, <laughs> we beseecheth you now, then, brown cow, God, <laughs> right? If you, if you can the beseech, verily, thou, thee, that kind of stuff, um, you do that, and I'm telling you, you will project an image, an image of being super holy and Here's a problem, here's a problem with that, is when, when, a, when a religious leader or a pastor has, is, is doing this like fake super holy image, it's just ineffective leadership. Because it might, you might look good and that might feel good to you or something, but m most regular people see through that. Most regular people just think, they see a leader acting like that, they just think he's fake. And even if they don't think he's fake, then they think, wow, he is awesome, right? He must have this unattainable in with God. I could never do that. I could never be that holy, right? I'll never be up at five o'clock, right? I'll, I don't know all those isms. I don't know all those words. I don't know how to speak in King James. So I'll never be as holy as him. So they just give up. That's bad leadership. So bad leaders are all about image. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not dress or act like the rich, popular, cool influencers of his day. He was just a regular guy, right? He was God, and yet he portrayed himself as a regular, he was authentic, and he said what he meant. He got mad, and when he was sad, he cried. He got dirty. You know, one of the things I love about The Chosen, you know, the TV show, I love that show because they portrayed Jesus, something I think is really important about him, is he was a regular guy. He was a regular, he's joking with him, he's laughing with him, he's crying when he's sad, he's frustrated when he's frustrated, his fingernails are dirty, you know, he, he's a regular, regular guy. And I think that's probably one of the things that drew people to Jesus, was that even though he was God, he was a real guy. He was an authentic, regular person. And if you wanna be a good leader, then be, followable, right? Be real and authentic and let people see how you really are and let people see who you really are because that makes your story more believable, right? And it, and it, makes, and it makes them see that there's hope for them. It seems attainable to them. And also it makes sure 
that God's the one that's getting the glory. So bad leaders are all about image. Good leaders are authentic and real. Verse seven, still talking about the Pharisees. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and they love to be called rabbi. Don't let anybody call you rabbi. You have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters and don't address anyone here on earth as father for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anybody call you teacher because you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be, say this with me, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I have to say, some leaders, even some Christian leaders, seem to be pretty into the prestige of leadership. Have you ever known someone like that? That it's, they, they, they're stuck on the title. They like the title. They like the title. Um, it says in the marketplace, they like people to say, hello, rabbi, you know, that's, <laughs> hello, hello, father, right? Hello, pastor, good morning, rabbi. Hello, your royal, holy eminence. And that's just silly. That's just silly. I mean, the last thing I need is somebody in the marketplace, right? I'm at H-E-B, and somebody says, oh, good morning, holy reverend, you know? And I'm in there buying constipation medicine or something. It's like... <laughs> but, but, but there are but there are Christian leaders like that, and they're, they're untouchable, right? They're unapproachable. They've got their detail around them, right? They got their special parking place, and they got their entourage, and everybody calls them by their title, and that's, man, that's not good leadership. That's not good leadership. Um, I, might, I have a friend that told me a story. So he's in the Catholic tradition, right? And he was really trying, I think. You know, he'd never really followed Jesus, and I, I don't know, I think he was like trying, so they started going to church and all that stuff, and he told me, man, we got a new priest at the church, and I just, it's, I just can't hardly stand to be there, and I said, well, what, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, the first day he came in, so in the Catholic tradition, when the priest walks in, they bring like a crucifix in front of them, right, and they've got the Bible in front of them, and everybody stands up right, in reverence, right, and then he walks up on stage, and so this guy comes in, and here comes the procession down, and he get, and everybody's standing up, and he gets up, and the first thing he said as their new priest was, that's not how we're going to do it, because when I walk in here, I expect you to stand at attention, not when the Bible comes in, not when the cross comes in, it's when I walk in, and some of you were standing up, but you were kind of slouched over, so we're going to try again. And this time when I walk in, I expect you to stand up and pay me the respect that I deserve. Literally walked out and walked back in. Let me just ask you, if you would have been there, wouldn't you have walked out and stayed out? Right? But that's, that's I mean, and I don't know him. I don't know him. But that seems like bad leadership. And it's not specific to church. There's all kinds of leaders that are like, well, I'm a leader, dang it, you know, I deserve some respect and I want my prestige and I want my title because bad leaders love the prestige of leadership 
and great leaders love the privilege of serving. Jesus said that leaders should be humble servants, not in it for the glory or the prestige. And like everything else he did, he didn't just talk about it. He modeled it. Nobody, nobody, Nobody modeled better than Jesus someone that just wanted to, he said, I didn't come here to be served, right? I came here to serve. That's why I came, was to serve. And I mean, I, I read the Bible, and all the miracles in the Bible, some of that stuff's pretty unbelievable, but I believe all of it. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I can believe it. I, I believe a man got ate by a fish, you know, and I believe a kid killed a giant, and I believe a guy walked on water, and nothing's impossible with God. But of all the stuff in the Bible, to me, the most unbelievable thing is that Jesus, the creator of everything, on the night that he was gonna die for all of us, stopped what he was doing and put on an apron and knelt down and washed his disciples' dirty feet. I mean, he... He lowered himself, literally, all the, all the way to the dirt. He positioned himself below these guys who were nobody except through him. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? I think it's just to model the attitude of servant leadership. Look what Paul writes. This is Philippians 2.5. He says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. It's like one of the most amazing sentences you're ever gonna read right there. He was God. He was God. He just didn't think that was something to hang on to. So instead, he gave it up. He gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Talk about like lowering yourself, right? And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus came for us and he put himself below us and he lifted us up to save us, to save us for sure, but also to model for us what it is to be a servant leader. Bad leaders love the prestige of leadership. Great leaders love the privilege of serving. So it's a practical book, man. Whether you're leading a classroom or a boardroom or a team or a company or a ministry or a family or even if one person looks at you for leadership, God's put you in that role. God's put you in that role. And if you want to be a good leader, if you want to lead like Jesus, don't be a Pharisee. Lead by example. And bring people in and lift people up. And forget about the image and just be authentic and real. And don't get caught up in the prestige of leadership. Just serve the people God calls you to lead. That's how you lead well. And that's how you lead like Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for choosing us as leaders in this world, to lead people to Christ, right? To show people the way, 
to model for the world around us what it is to follow Jesus. And God, these are such practical words. It's just so helpful for us, even if we're leading a company or even if we're out in the world leading a team or a class or something, even if we're leading our families and certainly when we're leading groups and doing things in the kingdom. But God, I just pray that this week we'll like re-examine and think to ourselves, who, who does see me as a leader and how can I be a good example for them and how can I bring them in and how can I lift them up? I pray this week, Lord, that you remind us just to be ourselves. You created us the way you wanted us. We don't need to be something other than ourselves. We should just be authentic and real like Jesus was. And God, I pray that anyone, everyone in this church that has put in any sort of position of leadership, that we would never get addicted to the prestige of the leadership and that we would remember to serve the people that you've given us to lead. So show us your example. Remind us of your example and help us to follow it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving.